You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 940 of the Lawton Hawks podcast. I'm your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on a Sunday evening into Monday morning. And today's show is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to builtbar.com, use the promo code Locked On, get 20% off your next order with Built Bar. So, obviously, the lead of this game is that the Hawks uh, did not close out a game yet again. They were not winning. They had to come back, actually, to fight back and tie the game. Uh, they were still in the mix, though, late, and they gave up a 10-0 run at the end of the game that, that sort of sunk them. Um, and obviously, that's obviously a frustrating result in a lot of ways for Atlanta. Uh, this is a game that the Hawks were underdogs in by tip-off, but obviously a very winnable spot for the Hawks. They just could not make shots at big times. They had a couple of mishaps in the fourth quarter. The bench was atrocious. And uh, we'll get into all of that momentarily, but that was sort of the top line thoughts here in a 10-point loss for Atlanta that drops the team to 14-20 and 20 and 6-11 and 11 on the road this season. Um, pre-game stuff quickly here. There was an update on Bogdan Madanovic for the first time in a long time. In fact, the first update since February the 5th dropped on Saturday. What the Hawks saying that Madanovic has progressed to his rehab to include one-on-one play with contact and that his next step will be re- reintegration into team practice. So he's getting closer it definitely seems that way. There was video played on Hawks Live uh, in the pregame uh, that was talking, you know, just kind of showing him shooting around a little bit. He is definitely inching closer. Still no timeline officially that's worth pointing out. But on a, on a night like this, when the bench is so bad, it's it's obviously easy to sort of pine for a return of somebody on the wing. And Magdanovich getting closer is obviously a positive thing. Um, there was actually some injury stuff to get into for this game c- coming into the day. There was some question about Trey Young playing. He's listed as questionable with right adductor soreness after having a couple injuries actually on Friday that we talked about briefly on the podcast. He ended up playing. I don't think he was necessarily his explosive self in this game. I'm sure he was a little bit limited. Whether he would admit to that or not, something different. I think he was definitely not 100% healthy in this spot. And then Cam Reddish missed the game. He was, he was listed as doubtful, and then he was ruled out pretty pretty quickly on Sunday afternoon. This is his four straight absence, and again, he would have probably helped the Hawks. Not quite as much as he would have on Friday when they just needed his defense, for sure. But in this game, he definitely would, would have been helpful. And another absence there, and the Hawks you know, still playing without three of their top four wings. That is, t- that is tough in a lot of ways. Um, Miami had won five in a row, then now won six in a row after this win, and they actually, you know, were weakened by the absence of Jimmy Butler in this game, and that's kind of what frustrates, I know, people that I was seeing on Twitter, all that, because Miami's been pretty bad without Jimmy Butler this season. I will point out that still, the, the Heat were favored at tip-off, and, you know, given that the game was in Miami and the Hawks are so shorthanded as well, I agree with that. It was still very winnable for the Hawks. In fact, there was a sort of an up and down with the betting line in this game. According to our friends at BetOnline.ag, the Hawks opened as six and a half point underdogs, and that's with Trey being questionable and Butler being in at that point in time. Then it went down to five for the Hawks being underdogs, with Trey upgraded to probable. Then it went all the way down to three and a half when Butler was moved to questionable, and it closed, I, at least what I saw, as with, with the Hawks as two and a half point underdogs. So it went from six and a half down to, down to two and a half with Trey in and Jimmy out. Still, though, Hawks were underdogs, alas. Okay, we'll dive in now, as we always do, to the uh, the nuts and bolts of things. So, at the outset, it was a pretty decent start for the Hawks. Uh, I thought offensively they had some nice adjustments. They had three threes in a hurry. In fact, in retrospect, it's kind of funny because the Hawks only made eight threes in this game, and three of them were in about a 90-second, maybe two-minute window in the first quarter. So they got, they got down six to two, 
And then Tony Snell hit two threes, and Kevin Herter hit one as well to go on a sort of a, a 9-0 run there to put the Hawks up by an 11-6 margin. Those threes were helpful, especially because the Hawks were getting blitzed. Um, Trey Young was getting doubled uh, for lots of this game, which sort of explains why he wasn't a huge part of the scoring uh, outfit in this game. But I thought Atlanta did pretty well at the outset to navigate that. And something that Pierce pointed out after the game as well, the Heat are dead last in the league at allowing three-pointers. They allow more than any other team in the league, and it's kind of by design. They do want teams to shoot threes, but the Hawks just missed a bunch of looks, and they went in early, and then they stopped going in from there. Um, a couple of nice possessions, though, at the outset for the Hawks. They were playing pretty well, I thought, offensively to start, despite the fact they shot 5-15 from the floor. And that was sort of microcosm of the way things were going to go in the entire game. Because I'm not sure the Hawks play as poorly offensively as the shooting numbers look. But still, uh, it wasn't quite great. Defensively, though, there was a lot of positives in this game. It wasn't like the Hawks got blitzed by an offense. In fact, you know, they did okay. In this, it wasn't great by the end. There were moments of weakness, to be sure. But this is definitely an offensive loss for the Hawks after a very bad defensive performance on Friday. It was much better on that end of the floor and then worse on offense. So there was the uh, was the first of a couple of big heat runs in this game. It was a 16-5 spurt by, by Miami to go up by a 23-16 margin. Um, at that point in time, Tony Snell and Kevin Herter were 6 of 10 from the floor, and the rest of the team was 0 of 11. So that kind of told you uh, you're not going to necessarily rely on Snell in particular and Herter to carry your whole offense, and that was not sustainable. They went to the full bench, which I kind of hated, which I'll mention a little bit later, uh, probably again. But uh, it was only for a brief period of time, but I just do not like the full five-man bench units right now. I don't love them in general, but especially with the weakened nature of the reserves. Like, you know, coming into the season, we thought the, the bench unit might be like Chris Dunn, Bogdanovich, or Herter, and then, you know, one of the one of the young wings uh, and Gallinari, you know. Right now, the bench unit is just not very good, and I don't love that. They, did, they only did it once, and they didn't go back to the second half at all, which is uh, encouraging. They played the, play the starters more in the second half, but I just didn't like that much at all from uh, Pearson coaching staff. Um, at any rate, there was one bright spot at the very, very end with a nice rebound by Akongwu, a kickout pass to Rondo, who actually had a three to beat the buzzer to get the Hawks back within five. Akongwu did have a couple of struggles, especially with catching the ball in this game. He was not uh, sure-handed. It's interesting to me because Kongwu, really, if you watch him in college, and I, I watched a lot of him in college, that was a strength of his. And I, it's just not translating right now. I'm not sure if he's just jumpy as a rookie or whatever's going on, if the game's just moving fast for him. But his hands have been a weakness so far after being one of the calling cards that he actually had coming out of college. Regardless, uh, the Hawks only scored about 0.84 points per possession in the first quarter, and they were losing as a result of that poor offensive play. But the defense, the defense was, again, pretty good in the first quarter, especially. And, uh, you know... I think the starters were even better than the bench was defensively. Um, to begin the second quarter, they actually came back with Capella to get the full bench unit off the court. And they kind of intentionally, I think, shadowed Bam Adebayo with Clint Capella. And that was a wise decision. Bam uh, was kind of going to blow through anybody else, I think. So Capella being out there was probably helpful in that regard. But then Miami scored the first five points of the second quarter to go up by 10. And that prompted a timeout by the Hawks. It started out with two missed threes and a turnover by Rondo. I thought Rondo got fouled. That'll be the most charitable that I am to Rondo on this podcast. I thought I got fouled on that turnover. That was kind of a bad start. And then later, after Young and Herder came back in, there was um, you know they they just didn't look great there, especially Young and that and that stretch, a couple of turnovers, and then Trey airballed a three. It just didn't look like himself early on in this game. Um, then an eleven to two run overall by Miami to go up by fourteen. The Hawks were nine of thirty from floor from the floor at that point in time. There was a couple of uh, signs of life after that, a couple of possessions in a row. 
Trey found Collins for a pocket pass for a bucket, and the Capella got fouled after a nice drop-off pass by Snell, and the Capella got a layup to cut the lead down to 10. So I thought, and I said this on Twitter as well, I thought the Hawks did not go to Collins enough in this game, which is going to be sound crazy. If you didn't watch this game, that'll sound crazy because Collins had 34 points. But in the first quarter plus and the fourth quarter, they didn't give Collins the ball enough. And that's uh, interesting because obviously he was on fire in the middle portion of this game. But uh, that was something to note for sure. And that was, uh, I think, part of the issue early on. Um, you know, back and forth, back and forth. Trey Young didn't score until about three minutes left in the first half, which is not normal. He did make th- back-to-back threes when he finally did score late in the first half. Um, and they got to the rim on the next trip and missed the layup. But Colin got a tip in to get the lead down to eight. And the Hawks did cut it to ten at the end of the first half. A um, couple of missed um Opportunities, I will say, offensively to cut the lead even more down. But they got it to a manageable spot, despite the poor offense. At the half, Capella was 2 of 7. Gallinari was 1 of 5. Trey was 2 of 9 at the half. And Capella, you know, had some had some finishing issues. I thought he was good in this game overall. But uh, he was 9 of 17 from the floor. And I think, you know, a lot of the misses were of the frustrating variety for him. But still, he played well. No, not, no shots taken there. Um, and... Collins was awesome. He had 12 points. I'm, I, I did sort of a mini rant about Collins needing to play more at halftime. He only had 15 minutes in the first half. Ended up playing, you know, 37. So he basically played almost the entire second half. And, you know, that's... If he, if he could do it, that worked out well. So it's, it's, again, tough to say that Collins didn't play enough and again when he played 37 minutes. But I thought the first half, they probably could, could have given him a little bit more time in place of the uh, full bench units. But the defense was actually okay. I will say this is a the theme of the night before we go to the... Uh, to a break in the second half. Um, the bench got killed the entire way. At the half, the Hawks were down 10. Trey Young was plus one. Collins was plus three. At the end of this game, the Hawks lost this game by 10. Trey Young was plus nine. John Collins was plus seven in a 10-point loss. That will tell you how bad the bench was, and that was a point that we'll come back to momentarily. But first, a word from our sponsors on today's podcast, and the first of which is Headspace. Wouldn't it be great if there was a pocket-sized guide that helped you sleep, focus, act, and be better? Well, there is, and if you have 10 minutes, Headspace can change your life. Headspace is your daily dose of mindfulness in the form of guided meditations and an easy-to-use app, and Headspace is one of the only meditation apps advancing the field of mindfulness and meditation through clinically validated research. So whatever the situation is, Headspace can really help you feel better if you're overwhelmed. Headspace has three-minute SOS meditation for you. If you need some help falling asleep, Headspace has wind-down sessions that their members absolutely swear by. And for parents, Headspace even has morning meditations that you can do with your kids. Headspace's approach to mindfulness can reduce stress, improve sleep, boost focus, and increase your overall sense of well-being. Headspace has been awesome for me to not only reduce stress, but also help me get some rest, uh, sort of recoup and uh, recharge mentally for the busy schedule that I absolutely have on a daily basis. Headspace is backed by 25 published studies on its benefits, 600,000 five-star reviews, and over 60 million downloads. And Headspace makes it easy for you to build a life-changing meditation practice with mindfulness that works for you on your schedule anytime, anywhere. You deserve to feel happier and Headspace is meditation made simple. Go to headspace.com slash locked on NBA. That's headspace.com slash locked on NBA for a free one month trial with access to Headspace's full library of meditations for every situation. This is the best deal offered right now. Go ahead and check out headspace.com slash locked on NBA today. Today's podcast is also sponsored by the good folks at betonline.ag. Football may be over, but the NBA, college basketball, the NHL, and many more sports are in full swing. But there's only one place that has you covered, one place that we trust, and that place is betonline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. You can sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag. Use the promo code LOCKEDON for a 50% welcome bonus with the site. 
On top of the NBA, college basketball, and the NHL, baseball is on the way in the near future and all kinds of additional angles to handicap, including awards, TV shows, and reality TV. In fact, there are dozens of real-time updated props on almost anything you can imagine, and BetOnline has you covered for all of the news, scores, and odds, including future bets, if you want to look way ahead. It is the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Do not sit on the sidelines anymore. Instead, get in on the action and visit the website or use a mobile device to sign up today. Don't forget to use the promo code Locked On to receive that 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. One more time, that is promo code Locked On for 50% welcome bonus at BetOnline.ag. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. All right, and we'll dive into the second half now. I will start on a more positive note. The third quarter was a lot of fun uh, overall, honestly, and a lot, of, a lot of that was done by John Collins. The Hawks won the third quarter, 33 to 24. Some good adjustments coming out of the halftime break, and one of those was just. Emphasizing Collins, who was awesome. Um, there was a nice play by Kevin Herter, actually, to start things off. With uh, He beat Duncan Robinson in a foot race to a loose ball and then got a layup out of that, cut the lead to nine. And then John scored 11 consecutive points for the Hawks to cut the lead down to four. Uh, three buckets at the rim, then he had three. He had two free throws. He was just completely destroying Kelly Olenek for, for the most part. And after only 20 minutes that he played in this game, he had 23 points on 8 of 12 from the floor and 6 of 7 from the free throw line. So John was awesome, especially in that particular stretch. After a timeout, Young found Capella on what was a great ATO call from the Hawks to get an easy, easy bucket, and the Capella tied the game with a hook shot. It was an 8-0 run, and suddenly the Hawks go from down 10 to tied in about four-ish minutes, five minutes, five minutes, something like that. And at that point in time, Collins and Capella had 21 points in the first, like, seven minutes of the the first half. They were awesome. Um, Herder got the uh, Hawks their first lead in a long time when he made some free throws. It didn't sustain because it was never going to sustain on that level. They actually did a pretty easy, su- uh, sorry, pretty early substitution for both Trey Young and John Collins together. The plan was, if you watched uh, the nuance here, Collins went back to the table pretty much immediately for Capella, and they tried to stagger those guys, and they just they did that in the second half. They played, they played the whole entire second half with one of those guys on the court, but there was no dead ball for a long while, so Collins went back to the back to the bench waiting for a timeout. But still, they did they did a stagger there. Um, that was probably the right decision, all things considered, after the way the first half went. But Collins had 31 points through three quarters. He had 19 in the third on 8 of 10 shooting. That was the highest scoring quarter of John Collins' career. And once again, though, uh, with a shout-out to Graham Chapel, my colleague at Peachtree Hoops that always tracks this, John Collins has scored 35 points in his career four times. That's that's his career high. And it always seems like he's going to break it. And this game, again, he had 31 through three quarters and didn't break it. He just can't. For some reason, John Collins is capped at 35 points. Um, just kind of a weird sidebar there. But at any rate, the Hawks played well in the third quarter. They shot well, despite one of the, that was the only time they shot well in the whole game. But even then, they were one of six from three in the third. Um, Capella, had, Capella had ten to go along with the nineteen from Collins, and they outscored the Heat by themselves. And they uh, only down one at the end of that whole run. Um, in the fourth, the run was coming. Uh, it started out with um, Ke- uh, actually Gallinari hit, hit a lead, uh, sorry, hit a jumper to take the lead at the beginning of the fourth quarter. But there was an eight zero run by the Heat. With a Tyler Hero three, and then a turnover by Kevin Herter, then a stop from the Hawks, but the, then Gallinari misses a three, Hero hits a pull-up, Herter, hits a, Herter misses a three, and then Iguodala hits a three, and it's 8-0 run, they're down seven. And by the way, I believe Gallinari has missed it's either 10 or 11 consecutive threes, it might even be more than that, um, since his Boston explosion, so, you know, that was never going to be sustainable when he hit 10 threes against the Celtics, as we talked about on that podcast but, you know, it's uh, it'd be nice to have a little bit less of the hot and cold. Uh, yeah, it's 10. He's missed the last 10. So, not, not what you want, uh, including 0 of 7 in this game. That was uh, that was harmful, we'll say. 
Um, they, did, they brought the starters in after that, and they basically played the starters the last eight and a half minutes. And that's, you know, worthwhile. They had to push because they were losing at that point in time, and the starters were pretty good overall. There was a bad challenge. Uh, you can go ahead and play the drinking game if you'd like to. But <laughs> I know I, I, that definitely exists somewhere on uh, on Hawks Twitter. But uh, a pretty terrible call against Tony Snell. Um, I thought then, I, I think the frustration of that kind of is why this play got challenged. I would not have challenged this. It was not a good decision. Um, I thought, again, it was a bad call that should have been the other way towards Atlanta. Um, with that said, you were not likely to win that challenge. And by the way, even if you won that challenge, it would have negated free throws from Miami, but it would have also given you a jump ball. So the leverage there is not great either. Uh, once again, I, I'm not love the challenges this year. If there's one thing to pick on, that's probably the easiest one. That's like kind of, you know, black and black and white, cut and dry, however you want to say that. Uh, it's not going well in the challenge department. Uh, it didn't really bite the Hawks that much, but not, not one you want in this game. Um, they got some stops. Young gets to the line for three-point play with, six, with 6.04 to go. In fact, that was his first free throw of the game, which is crazy, um, considering he did not take one in Oklahoma City, and Trey was leading the league at one point in free throw attempts. He's been in the top five all season long, basically, and he didn't, he didn't take a free throw for, like, I don't know, <laughs> seven and a half quarters. It's just crazy. But then, of course, on, on cue, he gets to the line for six straight free throws to tie the game. So the Hawks go from down six with, with a few stops and some good defense there. They get, they get uh, Trey gets those free throws in a row, six in a row, to tie the game with about 4.30 to go. They got another stop, but give him an offensive rebound to Bam Adebayo, who hits a, a, a kickout three to Tyler Hero to go up by three. But then Collins answers with a corner three of, him, of his own to tie the game with 3.38 to go. So the Hawks are tied with 3.38 to go. And from that point forward, it was a timeout by, by Miami to stop the bleeding. And from that point forward, it was ugly. Uh, t- the next 10 points went to Miami. The Hawks did not score for three minutes and 13 seconds, which is an eternity, especially in a fourth quarter like that. So they got to stop. And then the next three possessions were pretty ugly. And a lot of this one was Trey Young not playing well. Uh, Trey he tried about a 30-foot three that was a kind of a forced, no-rhythm shot. He can make those, but it was not a good shot, I don't think, of selection-wise. He missed that. Then he fouls Tyler Hero. It wasn't like a you know clear-cut foul, but he got him on the elbows. He kind of got fooled a little bit on a, on a pump fake. Um, Hero gets to the line, makes both. Um, then Young throws a just a, an objectively terrible lob pass for a turnover to John Collins, uh, and that leads to a run-out three by Kendrick Nunn. So that's a five-point swing in Miami's direction. They call timeout, rightly so at that point. So the game is still like in play. They're down five points with two-plus minutes to go. Everything's okay. Out of the timeout, you get a great look for Kevin Herter. A pretty wide open three, a good shooter. That's a shot you want every time, and he misses it. And from there, he get a lob in transition to go up by seven. So, again, that's a big swing. And then Trey comes down quickly, misses a floater, and then Goran Dragic hits a three, and the game's over, basically. So, in that 10-0 run by Miami, you have... Trey missing a deep three, then you have a really bad turnover pass, Herter misses a wide open three, Trey misses a floater, and that's the game, basically. So Miami credits them for taking advantage of it and scoring when they needed to score, but the Hawks just, you know, kind of killed themselves in that run, and uh, that was it. Obviously, I don't want to put too much on that, because that could have happened at any point in the game, and the bench was terrible, and we'll get into that all in a second, but... If there's one stretch of this game in which you can point to the starters playing poorly, that was it. And it was at the worst possible time with 3.38 to go. So, in the fourth quarter, the Hawks shot 6 of 17 from the floor and 1 of 8 from 3 with 6 turnovers. 
if you, anytime you have as many turnovers as field goals in a quarter, that's not what you want, and uh, that kind of gets you beat. So I understand, and I'm not going to do this whole thing again, but uh, there was the always entertaining, and I say entertaining kind of loosely, debate between how much coaching and how much players have to take accountability for a fourth quarter uh, we say the last three minutes kind of collapse, and I will let you guys uh, negotiate that. I thought that Trey played poorly in that run. I thought that the defense did not play great in that run. Uh, Kevin Herter misses a wide open three. Like this, there's play, there's player stuff, and uh, also there is coaching stuff because you have to have you, know, you got to be prepared. And I think one thing that you can criticize both both sides, the players and the coaches, for is that the Hawks seem to let the snowball roll down the hill on them too often, and that is something that gets attributed to coaching. And I think that that's Totally understandable. So that was rough. They just timed that really bad stretch really badly. And that was the end of that. So uh, frustration, obviously. The Hawks have lost way, way, way too many games in the fourth quarter in which they had a chance to win. They still have not won a single-digit game this season. That is uh, notable. Um, you know, it's just all these numbers I could throw at you. 11 of the 20 losses this season for the Hawks have come when they've led at some point in the fourth quarter. That's a little bit of cherry picking, but still, that's not a good stat. That's will tell you that you're bad in fourth quarters. That is one thing to point out. Uh, I can give you all kinds of breakdowns and all kinds of stats about things not going well in the fourth quarter. And by the way, I think the fourth quarter is a little bit overrated for this Hawks team. The Hawks have had some really bad third quarters. They've had some really bad second quarters along the way. But if you include tonight, uh, yeah, I believe the Hawks are back to dead last in the NBA in fourth quarter net rating at minus eight or so. And most of that's defense. As much as this is funny to point out, because I think, at least in my timeline, and this might be just not representative, most of the criticism that I have seen about the Hawks in the fourth quarter is about the stagnant offense. That's the one I hear the most about how there's no movement and it's just pick and roll and all this stuff. And I get that. But if you look at the numbers, the Hawks have been pretty good on offense in the fourth quarter and terrible on defense. They have the league's... Uh, yeah, worst defensive rating in the fourth quarter. So it's really the it's really the defense, not the offense. And uh, you can talk about why that is, but it's not the offense. That's the problem uh, overall. Tonight, you know, the offense was bad in the fourth. They only twenty two points, but it was kind of both sides too. They allowed thirty one. Uh, all that. Anyway, moving on to some broader takeaways from this game before we get some into some individual stuff. I will say this, and we'll we'll talk more about these guys individually in a moment. The bench for me, is really high on the list. It might even be number one on the list as to why the Hawks lost this game. And I think because of the way the game ended, the focus kind of shifted away from this. But here's some numbers for you on the Hawks bench in this game. They scored nine points. That's five players combined for nine points. Uh, that isn't the only thing to point at, but the Hawks bench went three of 16 from the floor. They were one of 10 from three. And they had as many turnovers, three, as field goals. So, it's really hard to win when that happens, uh, especially when, you know, because not that everyone was perfect in this game, but starters were fine. You know, the plus minuses tell the story in some degree, especially when we're talking about guys like Rondo and Gallinari. Um, Rondo, minus 17. Solomon Hill, minus 19. Gallinari, minus 18. In a game in which you lose by 10. And again, to bring the whole thing full circle, Troy Young, plus 9. John Collins, plus 7 in a 10-point loss. That's... You can't get around how bad that was, and you could certainly say that maybe the full bench lineup was not great, but really at any point in this game, if Rondo or Gallinari or Hill, to a lesser extent, was on the court, things were going poorly. Um, other than that, you know, they got a ton of open threes in this game. You know, it's make or miss league stuff and that people don't like to hear about, but the Hawks shoot 8 of 35 from three um, against a team that allows more threes than anybody in the league. And 
Kevin Herter, one of nine. Like that's that's a big one. Kevin didn't want to take any bad shots. Gallinari, zero of seven. So I will I will just say this plainly: if Herter and Gallinari are going to shoot one of sixteen from three, the Hawks are not going to win very often right now. Especially when you throw in if, if you want to throw in Trey, those three guys combined to shoot three of twenty four. You're not winning with the current setup of what the Hawks have. You know, Collins and Capella were really good in this game, and it didn't matter because you got to make shots at some point along the way defensively. Uh, the Hawks allowed about a 114 offensive rating. That is not good. It is not terrible. It's like pretty close to average. And that's with, you know, the Heat had some nice performances. I think Tyler, Tyler Hero in the, four, in the second half was pretty good. Um, Kendrick Nome was very good, I thought, after he's not my favorite, but he was uh, pretty good in this game. Bam Adebayo was pretty good. But defensively, it was not great, but it was not bad. It was kind of average, middling defensive effort. Um, and the offense just got to beat. They end this game with a one. 0.04 points per possession scoring run, and that is like worst offense in the league level. Like the worst offenses in the league are about that for the full season. So it wasn't like completely deplorable, where the Hawks just can't score at all. But uh, that's not going to win many games, especially when you have the Hawks' defensive issues and their personnel and all that. So broadly speaking, a frustrating night at the office for Atlanta. Uh, I think this is a performance that is much more. Um, I'm not even sure what the word is much more tolerable than the Cleveland loss and the Oklahoma City loss. And I don't want to be in a position where I'm ranking losses, but this is not as bad of a loss as those games because uh, the Heat are well-coached and this is a, it's still a road game and you know they're still favored and Bam is really good and all that stuff. But this is still the game that the Hawks could have won. I'm not saying they should have, but they certainly could have won this game and they lost by 10. So there you go. Okay, more to come in a moment, but first a word from our sponsors and the first of which is Built Bar. I've been telling you for a long time that Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever, and that is still very much the case, but also the new and improved Built Bar is even more delicious. The original flavors are fantastic and they continue to be so, but now there are 18 amazing flavors to choose from, including new selections like caramel brownie, lemon almond cheesecake, and, a, and of course my personal favorite, and cookies and cream. Each bar is covered in 100% chocolate, and they're all soft and easy to chew, which is also very important to point out. And from there, I should remind you that Built Bar is also fantastic. For those of us trying to be health conscious, you can maintain or even lose weight while still enjoying something that's absolutely delicious. Bars are low calorie, high protein, low sugar, and high fiber. And Built Bar is even great if you're on the keto diet with all the nutrients you need. And again, a taste that puts other competitors in the space to absolute shame. In order to check it all out, BuiltBar.com is the place to go. Yes, it's BuiltBar.com right now and use the promo code Locked On when you get there. When you visit BuiltBar.com and use that promo code, you'll get 20% off your next order with Built Bar. One more time, that is BuiltBar.com, promo code Locked On for 20% off your next order. Check it all out at BuiltBar.com and try Built Bar today. All right, to so the individual portion of the podcast, and we'll get out of here on this Sunday into Monday. Um, as I said before, the bench was a problem. Uh, you cannot really find anyone on the bench that played well in this game. Uh, Mays and Nakong Wu only had the one stint each. They played three minutes and four minutes, respectively. Uh, Mays was 0-1 from the floor, didn't have an assist, and the turnover was minus 8. He was not good in this game. Uh, Akong Wu, like I said before, had a couple of bad no-catches, like dropped passes, he did have a nice rebound and pass, as I said before. Had that, that was his one, his one rebound and one assist. Um, he wasn't good. He would, he didn't get them killed either. But minus minus four three minutes. Uh, we'll move on from there. And uh, nothing from Goodwin, Fernando, and Knight. The three guys who played real minutes off the bench: Rajon Rondo, twelve minutes, three points, three rebounds, and one assist. He had one turnover. He was minus seventeen. He made his only three. It was a kickout pass from Akong. It was 0-3 on twos. This is the stat I will give you now. Uh, this is again. I want to stress. This is not only Rondo. But he is a big factor in it. For the season, Rajon Rondo, uh, sorry, the Hawks are minus 
10.8 points per possessions with Rajon Rondo on the court. That is by far the worst plus minus on the team of anyone that's playing real minutes. Nathan Knight, I believe, is worse, but that's a very small sample size. Um, minus 10.8 for the season is really bad, uh, especially when you're when the starter in Trey Young is still positive for the season. Uh, that's not all Rondo, but it's notable. In February, this is much worse. In February, and he did have some injuries and missed some time, so the sample size is 124 minutes, so it's pretty small. Minus 26.2 in February for the Hawks with Rondo on the court. And this game didn't help that. So I, I don't, I'm trying not to just pile on every every game. He, he's very bad right now. Uh, I'm not going to tell you that's always going to be the case. He's had the playoff run of moments. Um, it's been it's been bad. We'll just leave it there. Uh, Solomon Hill did not play well in this game. I think he had some nice moments defensively. Uh, he was part of the solution a couple of times. Played some minutes with the starters when they had Tony Snell on the bench. Tony Snell played the, played the least of the starters, and that part of that was that they had Hill on the court for some of that. Still, though, minus 19 didn't score. Only took one shot, two assists, and one rebound. Um, you know, he was on the court for, with Ron and Gallinari, and that was, I think, most of what was, pro- was was the problem there, but he wasn't a huge plus either. Um, and then Gallinari. Uh, it's kind of a similar story as it's been at many times this year with Gallinari. If he gives you what you, what you need out of him offensively, it's okay. If he shoots 2 of 10 from the floor and 0 of 7 from 3, he's not playable. Uh, he did have two steals, if you want to be uh, kind. Four rebounds, two assists, minus 18. Um, I will say that there, there's a, there's a little bit of this. I actually think it's a good point that I've seen on Twitter that I probably should make uh, more often. Um, the Hawks don't put him in greatest positions to succeed offensively. There are times in which Gallinari is asked to take some pretty tough shots uh, with some like flaming bag when he catches the ball late in the shot clock. So some of his efficiency offensively is probably uh, not all on him, but defensively he's just he's just very bad, and offensively he's not been as efficient as he needs to be. So. Um, it, you know, goes without saying the own seven from three is not good, but he was a big minus in this game. You know, you could, you could argue who was worse between Rondo and Gallinari. Uh, I will just say yes to both questions. And, uh, it's not a coincidence the Hawks got killed with, with those guys on the court in this game, uh, to the starters, Kevin Herter played a game high 41 minutes. He was one of nine from three. That's a, obviously a shaking number. He was four, four on twos. So that's encouraging for him. Uh, did have six, uh, six steals, a career high for Kevin, four, four assists, four rebounds, I actually think this is going to sound funny. I don't think he was very good on defense, <laughs> despite having six steals. Uh, he was good in the passing lanes, good hands, and I think he's been good off the ball most of the season. His on-ball stuff was frustrating at times in this game. But, you know, I trust Kevin Hurd to be a good shooter, so him going 1-9 from 3 is obviously bad for this game. I don't think that he took any, like, really terrible shots from 3, especially. So, so that's just noise. He's a good shooter. We kind of, we kind of know that at this point in time, and that's one of those uh, variance league kind of things when he was 1-9 from 3. Tony Snell was relatively quiet, uh, three of six on the floor, two of five from three, had four rebounds, had eight points, was plus, was plus five on the court. A lot of that's probably just traceable to being on the court with Trey and John, but he was okay. Uh, nothing nothing too bad or great for Tony. Uh, we'll go to Trey Young now. Trey Young, 15 points, nine assists, two steals, eight rebounds, did have seven turnovers. He was plus nine, and I think he is, he is responsible for that, so you know you can't really pile on too much when he's plus nine. We talked about this earlier. I don't, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna overstate it, but he was bad in the last four minutes. He was not the only one, but he had a couple of notable bad plays. And uh, you know, when he does that, it's tough because he is the primary initiator offensively. So if he's not going to be playing well at the end of a the game, they're in some trouble. And for the game, he was not efficient. Obviously, three of fourteen from the floor, two of eight from three. Got to the line seven times, all in the last six minutes of this game. But I thought Trey. 
was better than the shooting numbers indicate, but also not good at all. I think he was limited. Um, he felt like he was limited physically. He, I'm not sure if anybody said that after the game, but he did not look explosive. And defensively, it was worse in this game. It was more uh, back back to previous levels. Uh, some bad effort plays defensively. You know, he still had nine assists. The seven turnovers are bad. There was the one glaring one in the fourth. But the Hawks were still plus nine when he played. So it's like the the give the give and take there, where he still he didn't he always had a bad night by his standards. No question about that. I think nobody could tell me otherwise on that. But he still gets guarded in the way that allows other guys to succeed. He was getting blitzed the entire night, which sort of tells you why he took a, little bit, uh, a lot fewer shots than he would normally would in this game. And the Hawks were still successful when he played. So there you go. Um, to the guys who starred in this game, it was Capella and especially Collins. Capella had 20 points and 14 rebounds, three blocks. He was good. The only thing that I would mention is that he uh, had some finishing issues, both in the first half and there was one spell in the second half, which he, I think he missed three, of his, three out of four shots around the rim. But other than that, like we're nitpicking, I think he played pretty well. Bam got the best of him in the first half. It was a little bit more even after halftime. And, you know, you can't argue with 20 to 14 with three blocks. He played well. And then John Collins was awesome. 34 points, 10 rebounds, three blocks, a steal, an assist, plus seven. As I mentioned earlier, I, I was arguing on Twitter at halftime that, and especially before halftime, that they needed to use him more, both minutes-wise and offensive initiation-wise. And then third quarter, they did that. And then I don't know why they didn't do a little bit more of it. Like Some of that is like he's not the perfect guy to initiate the offense through, so it's not always as easy as just throwing the ball and get out of the way. But the Hawks didn't do enough, I don't think, between uh, scheme stuff and especially just guys looking him off. Like there was one, There's one play that I'm thinking about in my mind right now where Collins had a pretty easy mismatch and Kevin Hurd just kind of went off the dribble. Um, and actually, I think he might have even made it. But it was a good it was a good uh, reminder that yeah, it was kind of a tough shot that Kevin attempted. I'm pretty sure he made it actually. Um, but they kind of looked off Collins. I'm not sure if he just missed him or what. But it was Collins against I think Hero, it, not like necessarily post position, but close. And it was a pretty you know John Collins for the ball, all that stuff. Um, he was really good in this game. I'm not gonna go around that. He was awesome. He was he was the best player for the Hawks. Um, full stop in this game and uh you know credit to him for that I, I wish to god he gets his, his career high at some point i'm sure he's not worried about that necessarily right now after a loss but plus seven 34 and 10 three blocks john was very good so uh at the end of the day the hawks have a rematch to get this taste out of their mouth potentially on tuesday they play the heat again so they have monday off and they might have a full practice on monday because they don't have to travel or anything and then you get into a tuesday game uh, i assume butler is gonna play until he doesn't so if he plays that makes life more difficult on the Hawks um on the flip side if the Hawks get reddish back or something like that or they just play better um Miami will be favored in the game unless Bam is out as well like the only way the Hawks are favored on the road in Miami right now without Hunter and Bogdanovich is if Bam and Jimmy are both out I would imagine so in terms of the of the betting market that's obviously still a, win a winnable game though for Atlanta so if they get that one we'll see and then after that they have the back-to-back -back where they have to go to Orlando for Wednesday in the final game of the first half so uh, nobody's happy right now. My mentions are a, a disaster and a pretty good example of that at 14 and 20. Uh, you know, the Hawks are not in that bad of a shape. I will continue to say that until it's not true anymore. Uh, at some point, maybe it won't be true if they keep playing the way they've been playing recently. But the Hawks, even with this loss, are, uh, you know, just two games out of the play-in and, you know, three and a half out of the four seed. So it's a lot of variance here. Uh, the injuries are piling up in a big way to where the Hawks just need some help. Maybe it's Bogdanovich pretty soon. Maybe it's Reddish coming back. Any any or all of the above, but that's uh, something to point out. Anyway, uh, that'll do it for today's podcast. Please subscribe to the show. I am not entirely sure if I'll be doing a podcast tomorrow or if I'm going to be saving my bullets for Tuesday. But regardless, 
subscribe to the feed and tell your friends, rate, review, all of that fun stuff. And uh, whether it's tomorrow night or after the game on Tuesday, I will be here. So we'll see you then.